for you, the marketer, maybe the, the salesperson, you're really trying to figure out like, what is this value? I think beyond reaching the, a good audience, a high intent audience where they're looking for information and they're researching, they're evaluating your products and your services. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangam here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Funnel. As always, I'm excited. Some of the best conversations and learnings I get myself is just asking questions and being extremely curious. And this time, I got another evangelist, J.D. Prater. He is the Quora evangelist. And a lot of times, I think in the last few years, I have kind of neglected Quora completely. And I thought, well, you know, that that's like, I don't know, is when was it? Why, why should I even bother? I'm going to create a blog. You know, I actively post on LinkedIn, but in the last year, I have started to spend a whole bunch of time on Quora, and I've seen some really interesting things happen as a result of it. And so JD and I got to talk and get to know each other in the last few months, and we said, hey, let's just, let's just talk about this. Let's just open it up and just put you on the hot seat. So JD, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sangram. All right, man. So uh, first of all, let's start with a fun fact and then also share... How did you land a gig at Quora as an evangelist? <laughs> yeah, let's start with the the fun fact. That's always the the easier one. So um, I'm going to give you two just because they're, they're so much fun for me. And so one, I just had a baby boy. So uh, Jude Davis. Yes, thank you. And so that is fun. That is a fact. But he's also the fourth JD. So I'm JD the third. So starting with my grandpa, then my dad. And me, and now he's continuing it on. So that's kind of a, a fun fact within itself. That is so cool. Do you ever call yourself when you all get together? Do you all call like JD, <laughs> JD the second or JD the third? Like, I wonder, what does your grandpa call you? <laughs> so actually, I uh, we all have the initials, but we don't go by. I'm the only one that goes by JD. So going into kindergarten, there were four other Jasons. So <laughs> I quickly became JD, which my to be fair, my grandpa went by JD after coming out of the military. And so he went in as James came out uh, World War II as JD. And I'm like, oh, man, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Shell shock, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, again, congratulations. Being a father, being a parent uh, is such a great blessing. So uh, I'm sure with that comes a lot of sleepless nights and uh, fun memories to come as well. So all of that bundled together is a lot of fun. So so how did you land the gig of an evangelist and why Quora? Yeah, that one's, that one's a really uh, a fun journey. So back in my time at AdStage, we got into the pilot program of Quora advertising. And so we got to like test run. We really kind of figured out what was working, what wasn't working. And we gave them a lot of feedback. And that part was a lot of fun. And that lasted for about you know six months or so. Then they opened it up to everyone. And oh. during that time we ended up seeing really great results. Like, you know, we were like, oh my gosh, this is so much cheaper than Google. It's so much cheaper than Facebook. Obviously, 
cheaper than LinkedIn, <laughs> depending yeah. on where your price point is. But we were pretty excited with the results. We ended up doing a case study with them. We did a webinar with them. We did like a podcast with them. And we just kind of like carried on this relationship for like a year and a half. And then eventually it came to a point where they were really needing someone to help them out with this storytelling aspect of mm-hmm. the evangelist role to marketers and advertisers. And since I was uh, really kind of plugged in to specifically like performance marketers, like that's where I uh, specialize. That's kind of where I've uh, grown up in the industry. I was able to kind of come in and help them and figure this part out. So that's kind of how I got the role. And then we can get into like what we do as evangelists. Cause I know you're also an evangelist. So uh, <laughs> it is, it is a tough role. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I was telling with you before we started to record, uh, we just uh, interviewed Guy Kawasaki who's the first chief evangelist who actually was the first chief evangelist. And I, uh, and I don't think Apple had another chief evangelist after that. So we got into like, well, what happened there? So, you know, you can hear that. And hopefully the podcast goes live uh, right around the same time. This will go live. And he said, well, you know, the meaning of evangelist is someone who brings the good news. I'm like, well, that's good to know. That's kind of a good way to kind of frame it and think about it. I never thought about it that way. Um, I just considered that as like, Whatever you're passionate about, you are. You don't need a title for that. You just should be doing that anyway. So when I changed my title to chief evangelist from a CMO, everyone was like, oh, that wasn't your title? <laughs> no, it was like a pretty <laughs> obvious thing. But I, I'm curious, like, what do you do and how do you measure success as an evangelist? Yeah, so this is how I think about it in my head. I, I think about it in uh, basically like three traditional roles that we're all probably really familiar with. And I think of it as content marketing, as demand gen, and I also think of it as brand marketing. So those are the main three. If I could do like a, like a Venn diagram, the evangelist kind of sits right in there. And so with the brand aspect, this is really the, the storytelling. Like, how are we going to market? How are we, you know, talking about features or the product or the company even? Then with the demand gen side, you know, this is the podcast. This is the, you know, thinking through the white papers, the conferences. And then you kind of couple that with the actual writing side of content marketing. So this might be me writing on Quora because people are asking questions about Quora ads. And I'm like, great, I can go answer those. But I'm also trying to, you know, build out other ones, you know, around digital marketing or analytics, you know, things that I think that I have a specific knowledge in that I can feel comfortable answering. And then also thinking through, like, how do we write what this feature is? So even like down to like a product description. So by the time this launches, we're going to be rolling out auction insights. So this is giving you insights into the ads platform. So how do we how do we talk about that? And so that's kind of where I see the evangelist role within those. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you're doing a great job, man. I'm, I'm definitely seeing you all over the place. So that's, that's a great thing. Let's just talk about Quora and just ask the question, elephant in the room. A lot of people who are listening to the podcast are in marketing and I'll bet most of them don't have Quora on their top five to seven things to, to really do this, this year right now. What would you say to them? <laughs> I'd say, hey, like, take a look at us. Like, we're, we're, we just announced uh, 300 million plus monthly visitors last September. And we're about to make another announcement. Get ready for it in 2019. So no, uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's another big number. But what, what I get from that more than anything else is we're growing. And it, there's actually a lot of people there. But more specifically, you have a very high intent audience. People come to Quora for very specific reasons. And you can't get that 
anywhere else. Number two, it's also just like what mode people are in. Like people are actually coming to Quora to like research, to learn, to share knowledge. And that's a very, very unique aspect of like our platform. Whereas, you know, when you're on different platforms, like, you know, Facebook, sometimes you go in, you're just like, you're just scrolling. You're like, what am I even doing here? I just wasted 20 minutes scrolling through stuff. You know, you think about your Instagram or, you know, you think Twitter. Twitter is like real time, like almost conversations, like what's happening right now. And with LinkedIn, I mean, you, I think you crush LinkedIn organic, like anyone I've ever seen. I'm always so jealous of how you do that. But I think with Cora, when you think about the intent, the audience and the growth, and then the one thing that I think definitely harp on is it's also demand driven questions. This is what your audience is wanting to know. And now you can go and answer that. And that's where I see is like that being really important. Whereas sometimes you got this blog and let's all face it. We're like, oh, I think our audience searches this keyword or this persona, Mary Marketer looks for this. We should write a blog about this. And you're just like guessing, you know, and sometimes it's, it's just not there where you're not. And so if you can match up intent, you can match up that demand captured on Quora. I think you should definitely take a look. Yeah, that one, that's great. That's great. And as I said, I'm putting your hot seat where, so let me just back up there for a little bit. One, <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted you on this podcast was because I saw Jason Lumpkin totally own, and he would put it out there very proudly, 2016, 2017, 2018, or something like that, the highest rated, you know, number one for our answer on SaaS. I'm like, why is Jason Lumpkin? I mean, he had a, like, I don't know, like 100,000 plus followers. He has like, incredible, amazing Sastro stuff going on. His podcast is doing so well. Like, why does it need to be on, be on, on Quora? And so I started to just dabble into it last year. And since middle of last year or so, when I started to just, just as you said, like answering questions, and purely just dabbling into it, like already have more than 100,000 views of people that I can clearly see, oh, these are like head of marketing or people in operation role. They're really asking very pointed, specific questions. So I don't need to dream up, as you said, what, I, what people might be thinking. I know exactly what they're thinking here. And let me start answering questions with the same content that I may have it on a blog or something like that. So uh, I love the point you kind of distilled from intent, audience, and research. Would you, for people, I think, you know, when, if, again, I'm putting myself in the marketer's shoes right now. What benefits do anybody get beyond the, the idea of like, okay, we're able to have a high intent stuff. Like, are they getting SEO benefits? Are they getting link benefits? Are they getting traffic domain authority? Like, are there things, because I think that's one of the reasons why I feel people still feel like, oh, Quora might be a closed kind of you know, thing as opposed to available, the data and the answers on it available for everybody. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think how I would answer it, like the value. So there's tons of marketing and sales value, but I kind of want to hit on something of just kind of quickly of the vast majority of like human knowledge is still not on the internet. Mm. And this, this is what's so crazy when you think about it. It's still in your head. It's still in all these books. You can't see Sanger right now, but he's got all of these books behind him. And that's where a lot of this knowledge is wrapped up in. But we also know that billions of people use the internet every single day. And so how do we match that up of like people coming to the internet to look for information, to find information, but yet it's still not there. And so I think when we put it all together, we know that everyone has some kind of like knowledge that they can share. And yeah. so 
when you think about actually sharing knowledge, I, I love it. And it, maybe it's the altruistic motive in me, but I know that even probably with yourself, you know, I've talked with Singham at conferences and it's just a conversation. A lot of like question and answering, even on Quora, is just conversations going back and forth to where you're sharing opinion, you're giving analysis, you know, sometimes there's factual, you know, questions that you have to answer with facts, but a lot of times it's, it's opinion based. And that could be two and two or three sentences. It could be paragraphs long. I've seen people write <laughs> 5,000 words in an answer, right? And maybe that's what they are kind of figuring it out. But I think for, for you, the marketer, maybe the, the salesperson, you're really trying to figure out like, what is this value? I think beyond reaching the, a good audience, a high intent audience where they're looking for information and they're researching, they're evaluating your products and your services. It's also, there's some really good SEO value. I'm not going to like, or it has really strong domain authority. Whenever you have uh, the amount of information, the amount of people coming, it, it is a, a really good ranking signal. So go take a look. There are some really good tools out there. Uh, one of my favorite is SEM Rush. If you've never heard of this in the sales team, go ask your marketing team. I guarantee they've heard of it. And they can go in and just type in the, the Cora domain. And we can show you some, some answers we rank well on. And then you can filter down even further and Go answer those questions if you're looking for a good place to start. That's awesome, man. I love that. I mean, as I said, I personally have started to use it and now I'm posting there or at least answer not posting. I think that's what I have to switch in my mind. I'm not yeah. posting content here. I'm actually answering questions here. Very different than very LinkedIn. Very different. Yes. Twitter. So it's a very different mindset. So I have to adjust to that. And uh, like I'm here to answer and not here to preach. I'm not here to share just like random pieces of information. I'm here to specifically answer questions. So I thought that was a really good stuff. So um, in, you know, before we kind of, there are like a bunch of ideas that I wrote down from just this conversation, you know, you and I, before we started report, you started to talk about this idea of thriving and the fact that, Hey, look, inbound just came back and said, Hey, the funnel is dead. And now, you know, it's a flywheel. You flip my funnel is kind of a flipped kind of flywheel, if you will. If you put that together, it looks like a bow tie. So it's even more interesting. <laughs> and when you think about creation of content, I feel like we all suffer from this idea that there's a lot of content, but there's not enough good content. Mm. I don't know if it's all in the middle. How would you say for businesses and marketers today who are trying to pull together great blogs, great content, what is the best way for them to organize it? Is it in a Q&A format to kind of get to safe stuff like this? Or is it more on the big white paper or should people be doing something else? <laughs> oh man, I've been doing a lot of research on this right now. And specifically B2B. So you B2B people out there, if you're, I'm sure most of you are, as you're listening to Flip My, Flip My Funnel. And this is a couple of stats. I, I, I want to share these three stats because I think I found these to be the, the most staggering of them. So one, 62% of B2B buyers, they want more insights from thought leaders and analysts which I thought was interesting, right? You know, and they're, they're actually looking for insights, which I thought, oh, of course, I'm, I'm gravitating for that for like Cora, right? You know, but I think another part of that too is B2B decision makers are spending one to three hours a week reviewing thought leadership content. You know, so that does count, you know, I'm reading Sangram's post on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm on Twitter, I'm reading a blog, but we're spending a lot of time on that, like up to like maybe 5% of a work week, just reviewing thought leadership. And then... Couple that with 56% of B2B marketing execs. They want to position our company as a thought leader was one of their top objectives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, like that's, 
that's insane when you kind of put all that together. Like whenever you see us going for awareness and you see us going kind of up the funnel. And then what I like about ABM is this idea of it, it kind of smashes awareness and performance together. And that's oh, yeah. one thing I really, I, I love that idea that they're no longer like two separate ideas and teams. They're really kind of one in the same of like, well, this is who I want to reach. I just need their awareness. I need their engagement. And now we can actually like activate this account. And, I, and that's where I was kind of thinking through with this thought leadership of how do you be like in the one to maybe three choices, maybe five choices out there whenever it's time to, for that sell. Yeah. I love that, man. This is super cool. All right. So I'm going to wrap up with a few things. Like, as you can see, like, you know, a bunch of, bunch of notes over here. So I'm going to try to wrap up with like one or two really big ideas for people to take away. And then I'd love for you to challenge everybody who's listening to what, what should they do? What is the one thing you want to leave everybody with as a challenge? So number one, think about the content that you create as a marketer or as a sales team. Is that content high intent for your audience. And what I mean by that, because when you started talking about this whole idea that, well, why should people care about something like Quora? Well, because you feel like, well, there's high intent. Audience is not just browsing like they would do on Facebook or LinkedIn. They actually are in it because they want answers. So can when you go back and look at all the content that you might have created, look at it as that, is that just thought leadership content that people could just scroll through like normally would just with a flip of a thumb? Or are they going to dig in and look for the insights based on the stats that JD just shared? If 62% or more people are looking for insights, then are we creating content that is worth kind of going deep into? So, so that, that was a really big takeaway. So I'm going to go do that myself. And the second really big idea I felt like in this whole thing, uh, talking about evangelism, talking about you know high intent audience creation, talking about like demand gen, how does this drive is, if all the stats that you just shared about 62%, the time spent about three hours or 56% of the marketing executives want to establish their organizations, if, if you combine all of that stuff, it almost sounds to me that building a great brand is, is a big item on the list of most executives, most companies, CEOs, and, and, and founders as well. And if that is the case, then in order to appear as a thought leader, you need to either partner with a ton of other thought leaders and, and bring them as part of your community, or you need to really start doing that yourself. And it's not going to happen if you don't create the insights, the deep intentional content that needs to be there, as opposed to the surface level content that I think we all are so used to seeing. So JD, I mean, those are just two of the big ideas that I, I feel I definitely wrestling with, as you talked about saying, I'm not sure if I do this and or we do that. So you definitely made me think, what is the one big challenge you want to share with everybody? Oh man, my, so I'm gonna be a little bit selfish in my in my challenge. It's go answer a question on Quora. So people are so scared to put it out there and to be vulnerable with their answer, to be vulnerable with their knowledge. So I'm gonna say, give value and give graciously, and uh, go figure out a really high intent question that you wanna you know be a part of, and that that would be my challenge to you. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to do that today myself because uh, I know I've been, I've been trying to do it. And it's, it's so interesting just to kind of finish on that point is I've tried to answer even questions that are not part of my domain, but I think I'm an ex, uh, like not expert, but I feel like I have value to provide there. Like somebody asked about podcasting, which was completely different than ABM stuff that I normally talk about. But I thought, well, I can actually help this person over here who's asking like, hey, should I do it one 
uh, podcast and see how it does? Or should I do a 10 different podcasts? I'm like, no, do, you got to do 10 because you, you're not, you're going to feel like you failed because only two people, you and your mom listen to it, right? That's not, <laughs> that, that don't do, do 10 and see what people have to say about it. So anyway, JD, thank you so much for jumping on. Congratulations on being a father. It's a big deal uh, as a parent and uh, appreciate all the wisdom you share. No, thank you. And uh, thank you for your audience for tuning in for this episode, man. I'm, I'm really, really grateful. Boom. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.